0: Thanks, Kim. I do not use it for a long time, so I'm going to actually use this. Good morning, Refresh family. It is super nice. I was here last week, but I was with um, Bondi cooking or or distributing the food. Hang on, give me a second. Today. Welcome if you haven't been here, partly because I haven't been here for two months either. either. So you may be here longer than I have um, in the last little while, and that's Okay. What mum has informed me when she was preaching last week and she said this week is that we've started our weeks at Refresh here with someone praying for us to start. So I would love she said that in faith someone will do it. So if someone, one of you people who are sharing with us would like to open us up with prayer, if you had a loud voice just yelled it out, would someone be willing to pray for us reading that prayer? Damo, it's you. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Last week, Mum touched on the Trinity, and Cameron sent to me this morning, Cooper, I'm expecting a two-hour message, but it's not going to be that. And then he also said shorter is better, so he's a bit confused. But I'm going to share a bit about John um, that we'll continue on. But before I do that, I want to ask you to simply talk to the person next to you. I'm going to give you a question, and you can answer it with the people. So feel free, turn around, um, meet someone new, but describe your Christmas Day setup with the people that are with you. What does your Christmas day look like and what's like the events? Like, do you have like a program that you follow carefully? So with the person beside you, turn around to meet someone new. What, is, what does your Christmas day look like? And if you don't know, what was a childhood Christmas day like? All right. radio. All right. Next question for you. This one's a bit easier. It's a yes or no. And all you got to do is put your hands up. But put your hands up if you're Christmas campers. If you camp at Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Definitely a few hands. We're part time Christmas campers in our household. We've got... Um, the Webb family, so Mum's family, we all live on the north side of Brisbane, so we're all nice and close, which is super awesome. And we have Christmas um, at Grandma's house, and Grandma and Grandpa Joe's house, and we we'll all go meet together. But um, on the Redmond family, with my and Pop, their family, we uh, usually live in all parts of Australia, and we always go around, find. Um, usually we're camping at Yarra or Mum and Pop's house. This year it's at our house, so camping in the front yard for Christmas this year, how exciting Um, We'll we'll go camping. And and Christmas usually has a very, very similar structure for the Redmond household. The morning you'll wake up and you'll start with your family. We'll do our Christmas gifts with each other. So what mum and dad got us and what our brothers. If we get each other a present, which doesn't happen every year, um, we'll we'll open those up with each other. And then we'll have breakfast because presents are first thing. And then we'll usually have a, a family activity It'll either be Secret Santa or Kris Kringle or our Uncle Lance will come with some fun game that we'll all play together. And then it is Christmas lunch, which is usually quite a feed. And then just for a bit of something different, it is the annual biannual, every second year, croquet game. So Uncle Lance brings out the croquet set, will mow a really nice patch of lawn and will be out there in the sun for a couple of hours praying, co- praying, playing croquet. Probably the, the highlight of each Christmas, but... At work at the moment, every single person is just buying Christmas presents. I work at Rebel in Morayfield, and everyone comes in buying Christmas presents, Christmas presents. And like I said earlier, that's a big thing that we do in our household that we do love. But I want to ask another question, and put your hands up with if, within five seconds of me asking you this question, you can remember what your main Christmas gift was last year. Can anyone remember what their main Christmas gift was last year? Five, four, three... Two, okay, so I think there's a good seven or eight hands that went up that remembered their main Christmas gift last year. Um, I'm in the exact same boat if you didn't put your hand up. Every year, obviously, mum and dad get you a nice gift. There's a few little things that you might get along, like a book or maybe a new toothbrush or something. No joke, I got toothbrushes three years in a row, so that was pretty exciting. But... Yeah, yeah. actually, that's a good point. shouldn't have shared that, actually. No, uh, I, I couldn't remember what I got. This, so I went back and I did this silly thing, and then I don't know if anybody else does it, but after every birthday and every Christmas, I take a photo, I only give out a few, just so I can remember what I got. Just, just for this exact moment, when somebody asked me what I got for Christmas last year, flick back in the camera, oh, that was my present. So I worked out this morning, that last year I got a tennis racket, which is quite nice. So I did use that a bit this year, so I am grateful for that one. But... Yeah, we can't always remember those gifts. But the one gift that i always remember and I can always think of is when somebody flies home or someone come visits or a really special person in my life makes the trip, makes the effort to be with us. And that's happened a few times. Our, my auntie and uncle live in America. And so they've flown over a few times and they're coming over on Tuesday. Is that right, my and pop? Yeah, so we've got our auntie and uncle coming over on Tuesday. So we're super excited for them to be here. But they're the things that I remember and are very memorable to me. Now, I want to play this video. And this was earlier this year. Um, We, uh, me and Ethan are at uni at the moment down in Kurumbong, And my granddad, Grandpa Joe, my other granddad, uh, he turned, um, I think it was 50 or something really young. No, he turned 70 this year. And we wanted to surprise him. And so me and Ethan flew back. um, Thanks, Rich. we flew back to... uh, Back home, back to our house, and we are gonna throw a surprise birthday for Grandpa Joe. So yeah, here you are thinking Cooper and Ethan flown all the way from Kurumbong, from Sydney, to be with our grandpa for his 70th birthday. But what was actually pretty special is he had, I think 10 or 12 of his family from England all fly over. So if this video works. (laughs) (laughs) This is all Grandpa Joe's brothers, nephews, nieces, all meeting each other which was a pretty exciting event for me. I had never met any of those. I I met Keith and Esther, two or three of them before, but I hadn't met most of the family that flew over. But here they were, all 10 or 12 of them flew over from England to spend three weeks to surprise my grandpa for his 70th birthday. Now, that is pretty memorable if you ask me. There's nothing for me more special than when family makes the effort to fly over to be with someone or with us for our family. It's the best part. And I imagine it'd be very similar very similar concept if you are to give birth to a child. I think of my parents when they gave birth to Lachlan first, Lachlan Redmond, first son. They've just brought a child into the world. How exciting that must have been to give the gift of life to something. And Lachlan Redmond first first boy how good. And then Cooper Redmond comes along and whoops a daisies, but that's okay. So I'm here as well now. So there's two of us living together. And then second son, here he goes. And then third son, Ethan Redmond's here. How exciting. Three boys and just mum's luck. Joshua Redmond comes along. Four boys. What a blessing we are to our, to our parents. But I imagine how exciting that would have been for my parents and for, for any parent to bring a life into existence, to bring a life into a world. And not can be daunting, but it would have been such an exciting thing. To bring life, to to enable that. When I was reflecting on that little little um, area, I thought of that time when when Jesus, when God said to Jesus, "I'm going from all the way up in heaven. He was going to send his little son. or probably wasn't little in heaven, but send Jesus down to earth." And I, I don't know if God gets nervous or if he would have been nervous. I know Jesus. I'm got a bit stressed out in the garden later on in life, but I feel like if I was God, I would have been pretty nervous about sending my only son down. Into, it, into earth. But he gave us that gift. Now I'm going to continue. We're going to go through some scripture now. We're going to start with John um, 1 verse 14 to 18. And mum touched on verse 14 last week. Um, but if you have your, your Bible and you want to pull it out, um, it'll be on the screen as we go as well. But I want to read just the first, these five verses to you first, and then we're going to break them down and we're going to go through them. And then I'm going to read it at the end and, and we'll see what it means for us in that context. But, but here's the first verse that, that mum touched on last week. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out that this was he of whom I said he was... Oh, my tongue twisting, his ability is crazy. Who, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. Sorry. So what he's saying is, I'll get to that later. Anyway, verse, verse 16. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given to, through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No close to the Father's heart who has made him known. So five simple verses, if you want to look through that and again read it, because it probably didn't make heaps of sense when I read it just then. But what I want to first touch on is verse 14. And this is what mum talked a little bit last week about the Trinity and how um, this community in heaven, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit um, had a community. And that community loved humanity so much that they sent Jesus down um, onto earth. And I want to touch on that. But to start with, uh, let's just go through this verse. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. So in the start of John, he explains that um, the Word became flesh. And, and he gives a nice poem about the word. And that word is Jesus. And it says, then, and the divine became flesh, that Jesus came down to earth and was flesh. And I know mom touched on this week, uh, last week. But what Kim alluded to before is this word, lived among us that word can also be translated into dwelled among us. So it says the divine became flesh and lived or dwelled among us. That word dwelled is, is actually quite a cool little word that we're going to touch on today. Uh, in the Greek, that is the word when they wrote the, the Old Testament in Greek, um, that word is translated, translated as tabernacle. And so, which well, I'll explain a little bit, but it, it is a tent that... Um, held God's glory and God's goodness in the Old Testament. So it says that the divine or Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us. Which if you read that, that doesn't make sense in our English. That, that doesn't figure. But what it's saying here is that the tabernacle was a place of dwelling, and that applies for Jesus as well. So in the Old Testament, if you were to say, I'm going to go to the tabernacle, what you're saying is, I'm going to go dwell with God. The tabernacle was a place of dwelling. And so here it is. This is a depiction of what the tabernacle looks like. I'm just one off the internet. Uh, so in the Old Testament, just to recap, if you don't know the story very well, uh, God had his special people, the Israelites. And the Israelites were his chosen nation, and he led them into a place of Egypt where they were thriving. Unfortunately, in Egypt, they were placed into slavery, and they were working hard for the Egyptians. And God got them out through, through miraculous events, um, made them free. And then they ventured this journey um, in the wilderness, en route to the promised land. But on their way, it should have been a short journey, but they kept making mistakes They kept denying God. They kept doing things that um, it was not in God's will. And they got stuck out in the wilderness for 40 years. And this tabernacle is what they used, what God asked them to build for for him, that he may dwell with his people. So even though they were doing dodgy stuff, they weren't following the God's plan that he had prescribed for them, that he really wanted them to follow because he knew that's what was best. He said, it's okay, I want to dwell with you anyway. So they they made this tent for him, this beautiful, beautiful place that he may dwell with his people while they're walking around. they pick it up and move it if they needed to. But God wanted to dwell with his people in this tabernacle the whole time. So in this story, God literally pitched his tent in and amongst the people of Israel. He said, I'm going camping. And I was thinking about this. If you're in heaven, I don't know what accommodation you're living in, but it's probably very fancy. But God said, no, I'm going to come down and move down to those non-powered campsites, at big camp, and go and hang out with these guys. He's t- taken quite the step down. But that's what he did. He said, I, I will come down from my dwelling in heaven, and I'm going to come dwell in camp and pitch a tent with you guys down on earth because you need me. So God in the Old Testament pitched himself right next to the people and dwelt with them. And here in the New Testament, that's exactly what Jesus did as well. Let me flick back to this verse. So it says, And the word became flesh, and it tabernacled, it dwelt among the people. What it's saying is here is God actually took himself, took his son, and said, All right, you're in heaven, but I want you to be another uh, another person. Well, not another person, but be, again, an example of what it is to dwell. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus came down to this earth in a form of a baby. and what else? another story, and grew up. But that was God's dwelling here on earth. God was in that place. It dwelled with the people. And just to end that verse, sorry, uh, and uh, I'll continue. And we have seen his glory, the glory as a father's only son full of grace and truth. I'll get to that grace and truth part in a second. But we'll continue. This is John 15. So we've got to re- just remember those things, the tabernacle, what it means to the word. Just remember those things. And when we reread it at the end, um, it'll make a bit of sense. So verse fifteen said this. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. And if you try to read that, I hope you struggle as much as I do because a bit of a tongue twister, like I said. But what this passage is included for, the author of this gospel, John, is talking about John the Baptist, who, who a lot of people would have known at that time. And John the Baptist was the one that prepared a way for Jesus and said, "Um." Jesus is coming. There's someone coming greater than I am. He's coming after me, but he's above me because he's been before me. He's God. He's been around for a long time. So what he's doing here is adding credibility to the fact that this Jesus person that I'm talking to you about now is the person John the Baptist was already talking about. You've heard about him before. This person that's now come from heaven into human flesh and is now dwelling for dwelling with us, this is the person that John the Baptist was talking about. He's adding credibility to what is happening right now. Jesus has been around a lot longer John says, than anybody else on earth has been. So think about Be careful what you do with Jesus. He's, he's God. Verse 16 is a good one as well. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Now, this is probably one of the more simple verses in this little passage here. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And what that means the fullness there can be used as completeness, um, the full measure of something. So it's saying that from His completeness, His full measure, His complete glory, from who He is on earth, we received grace upon grace. Now, a lot of us would have heard this idea of grace before, but... So Jesus is obviously the gift that keeps on giving. And when Jesus came down to earth, like I said before, that was the first gift that God gave his son. He brought his son into earth. That was a gift that that God gave. And the gift that Jesus gave on the top of that was this thing called grace. Because Jesus went on earth, he came camping, he set himself all the way down, he came and tabernacled with us and dwelt with us. We were this grace is enabled. And so what this grace means, Ephesians two says this for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And like I said before, a lot of you would know what this grace word means. But pretty much it means that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done throughout your entire lifespan. There is no judgment. There is no feelings held back against you because grace is an acceptance and love that Jesus has for every single person unconditionally. And I know a lot of you are going, yes, we know, Cooper. But it's how beautiful it is that we can think about it, that I'm incredibly flawed and a lot of people, um, no one's perfect, but the fact that we offer this grace is such a beautiful thing. So grace is Jesus loving us and accepting us for exactly who we are. No matter who you can be, There is no disqualification from God's grace. And I love that John uses grace upon grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. It's a a load up of grace that that Jesus offers so freely to us. And so from his complete measure, his fullness, his completeness as a God on earth, we are now able to receive grace on grace. Grace upon grace. Verse 17. The law indeed was given through to Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus. So back in the Old Testament, when the people were leaving Israel, Moses was the one leading them out and, and, and helping them through this process of adventuring towards the promised land. And Moses gave, uh, gave the people, the Israelites, this law of God that was going to be the thing that guided them, that helped them through on this journey to the promised land and for all the time to come. So Moses was the one that gave this law. But then it says here, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, this grace and truth phrase that I'm referring to is actually talked about quite a bit throughout the Bible. And traditionally in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, it's mentioned quite a few times. It's actually in the phrase, mercy and truth. I think in in Psalms, it's found 10 times, but it talks about the mercy and truth of God. That's His character. And particularly when referring to His chosen people, they would pray to Him because He was merciful and truthful. That was the character of God. In Psalms 25, it says this, uh, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep his commandment in other translations um, it 's kind to keep his commandments in psalms thirty eight it says a similar thing uh, david says this i 'll bow down towards your holy temple and I will praise your name for your are unfailing your full your unfailing love and your faithfulness. So what this here is talking about is is god 's character that that praise because he was unfailing in love he was kind he has merciful and he was truthful. He was faithful as well. And so, when we find grace and truth came through Jesus Christ in this next, in this verse here, what it's saying is, the whole time there were these these people, uh, the old people, the people in the Old Testament, they were the ones who were waiting for this this savior, this this person, that, this God that was full of mercy and truth. And then, when Jesus comes, that was the exact fulfillment of all these. Um, of all what the people wanted. They saw God as someone that was merciful and true. And then when Jesus came, they realized that this was, some of them realized that this was the embodiment of grace and truth that came. This is what all the people had been waiting for. Like I said, the whole entire olden came, they realized that this man, Jesus, was grace and truth. He was acceptance. He was loving. He was faithful. He was exactly what the people had been waiting for. Verse 18 is the last verse that we'll read and then we'll we'll go through the whole thing and hopefully you can put it together with a bit more context and there's a bit more to go through as well. But verse 18 says, there we go. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made Him known. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father who has made Him known known. And this would be probably a thing that you would have heard before as well. It's a very very popular um, little passage of Scripture but the fact that no one had seen God that that this person that the Old Testament was waiting for, this God that they worshipped and and this this, this uh, divine um, person that they put all their trust in, no one had ever seen him yet but when God the Son came to earth people finally, finally got a glimpse of the glory of the God that they'd been worshipping for so long. They had known he was in the tabernacle. They knew he was dwelling with them in the Old Testament. But now on earth, there'd been a time where I thought, where is God? I don't know what is happening right now. But this Jesus character that comes to earth, that was an absolute gift, that came and pitched his tent with the people of the time. He said, I'm coming down to camp with you guys and dwell with you guys. This was finally the chance that they got to see a glimpse of the God on high. It was their final They'd been They'd be finally waiting for this chance to be with God, and here it was. And so for me, when I think about camping when, when I go th- go through what, what our camping experiences, particularly as Red men's, it, it's usually usually ginger beers, there's usually a bit of swimming, there's definitely a hospital trip. like there's definitely a few things that we have to take off when we go camping, but But all this stuff that we do on the daily with God on Earth, these are what contribute to God's dwelling with us. And we can dwell and we can sit with him. And it's his dwelling and his camping, his coming down to earth that permits us to this grace, to this salvation, which is such a beautiful thing. So Christ left heaven. Sorry, let me just make sure. Christ left heaven, came down onto earth. He came and gave himself up as an absolute gift to the people of this world, to us here. It is such a privilege to live in a society and in a world that we know that God on high, the, the the divine being above everything else in the whole entire creation, sent his one son as an absolute gift for us all. And because we had that gift, that gift continued to give and gave us this thing called grace. So let me read to you again the passage. And if you want, if you want to follow along in your Bible in case you're not understanding what I'm saying. But we're going to go back to verse 14 and we're going to read 14 to 18 again thinking about what we've just discussed. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh. The the divine became flesh, and it lived tabernacled and camped and moved among us. It's obviously a little bit of a paraphrase. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth that the people had been waiting for. John testified to Him and cried out, This was... He, of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The completeness of God's glory has enabled us for this, exclusive, this free and, and non-exclusive gift of grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. No one has ever seen God, and it is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who made him known to us all. What an absolute gift it is that God came and gave his son, Jesus Christ, this earth and pitched his tent quite literally among the middle of the people. And I don't know if you guys have those favorite, moment, Pathfinders, you'd always try and camp next to your friends or at Big Camp, you always try and find your little crew that you can camp next to. Whenever you're camping, you want to camp with people that you know really well, that you want to spend time with, that you enjoy spending time with. And and that's exactly what God did in the Old Testament. He came and camped himself with his people. And again, in the New Testament, God said, I'm actually going to send my son and Jesus is going to come tabernacle. He's going to come tent. He's going to camp, camp exactly among my people. Grace means that because we know that God is dwelling among us and he wants to be with us and He that's his passion, we know that we can have this this access to a free gift if we just accept who God is and and that He di- that Jesus came He died and resurrected. Now we get a chance to, to love and live in that freedom. So I want to I want to challenge you guys to remember a little something. And I was struggling so hard and I called Mum like Mum I just need this one line. Anyway, we came with this. But first of all, I want you to just quietly with the person next to you. Can you work out what this is? Just what's the logo? What is it? BCF, okay? Right? BCF, okay? Rebel and BCF are owned by the same people, so I'm not plugging them. But BCF, okay. We're talking about camping and and the fact that Jesus came down to earth and he wanted to camp with us. He came to pitch his tent right with us here on earth so he could give us all salvation. Because above all else, he wants to spend eternity with us in heaven. He wants us to take. Take us from this earth. And, and I, when we're in heaven, like I said before, that's going to be some crazy camping accommodation up there, the fact that we get to dwell with God in heaven. And that's what he's most desired for the entire time, to come and dwell, to tabernacle, to tent with his people. So obviously you got it right. It's BCF. But when you see BCF, which you probably won't see every day, but here's a phrase I want you to remember, and, and don't just think about it when you're at BCF, but maybe think about it just every day because it's good stuff. God pitched his tent, ready for this, beside, oh, hang on. We can, We our, our tent, oh, I almost messed up my one line. That was almost tragic. But our tent is pitched beside Christ forever. Okay, that that took a lot of brain power for me to think up with that. So, yeah, a round of applause would be a really awesome. But, yeah, thanks, guys. I need that. But when Christ came down to earth and when he came down to this place with us, he enabled us now that we can camp with Christ, we can dwell with Christ, we can tent with Christ whenever we want, whenever we so desire. We can just say, Lord, I want to dwell with you right now, and He'll enter our hearts. That's this amazing thing called grace. Now, this is the one present that I'm sure God will not be offended if you re gift either. And I know there's a stigma around re gifting, but this is the one thing I wanted to um, remind you that if you have something, you don't have a present yet, this is one that God says re gift. Think about it. this, this present of God dwelling on earth, the one that God gave. Uh, God, God sent his son down to dwell with us, said this is what I want you guys to share. You can package that up and send it to whoever you want. Share this information that God is, that Jesus came and dwelt on earth and he wants us to dwell in heaven with him forever. So once we accept that grace is accessible for us all and that God wants to be with us all, there is... A time to wait while we're here on earth, while we encourage others. But after that, when Christ returns, that's going to be some crazy glamping situations up in heaven where we dwell and camp and sit with God forever. So I really want to encourage you to remember that simple thing that we are beside Christ forever if we so accept His goodness. It is such an awesome thing. Let me pray for you all and then we'll, we'll roll on. Heavenly Father. Thank you so much that you are a a God that was willing to send his only son down to earth and that in the Old Testament you pitch your tent. But once again, the New Testament, Lord, you sent your son Jesus that he may dwell, he may tabernacle among the people on earth. And thank you so much that that didn't stop um, with Jesus leaving um, to go back to heaven, Lord. But that is uh, an opportunity that you've extended to us forever and ever and ever that we can dwell with you and that you are in our hearts in this place here on earth. I pray that we may not hold this for ourselves, that this message that God is camping with us is so exciting, Lord, that so much joy comes from an idea of that. So only Father, I pray that as we continue into our next week, whatever that may be, Lord, work or holidays or summer camps, Lord, I pray that we may remember that you want us to dwell with you, that you want us to spend time with you, and that you've given us the opportunity to, to be with you forever, to be beside Christ forever. What a privilege and gift that is for us, Lord. So I pray for the week ahead, for that truth, that grace is available and free for every single person who so chooses, Lord. We love you so much in your name. Amen.